Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, Salem. Welcome to Amalia Works From Home. Selena, Nafisa and I have decided to stream our daily morning meetings where we check in with each other while social distancing, share our reflections, and try to keep up the morale during these uncertain times. Join us Monday to Thursday at 5pm to stay connected. This episode, we're rethinking 9-to-5 structures and the politics of this pandemic. All our love and dies. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. I need to um, Corona. There we are. I didn't Ooh. want to be her arm and ask you to Which put your arm Yours. Sorry. This is how Shilla's meeting start like this. And then at some point she clicks her way out. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, sorry guys, I just um sorry, I I don't know what happened there. So I left the house yesterday. Oh, for a little walk. For a little walk down the road, up the road. And honestly, Aisha was proper moaning on the verge of crying before coming. She's like, I didn't want to go. Why didn't you want to go? Because I said, you have to have a shower when you come back in. I was like, I've already had a shower. I don't want another shower. You didn't want to sacrifice having a shower to go for a walk. Correct. And I was like, you better come outside right now. You haven't been out in one month. My girl was grinning from not even ear to ear, middle of her partying to (laughs) other side. Um, we saw the bus, we waved at the bus We literally went down the road and up the road on their scooters And they were just so happy And they're like, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Did they shower yeah. when they came back? We all showered was, you Did you ask her if the shower was worth it? She said She enjoyed going she, Very, very firm this one She's like, I really enjoyed going out But I really didn't want to have a shower <laughs> You know what, kids don't Kids don't like the best things in life, and I don't understand it. They Would don't. you do it again? Would you go out again, Ash, if you needed to do a gusso? No. You're yes, actually, yes. I was actually going to call you very boring if you said no. Guys, there's a travesty that has happened to me. What? what? I can't find where I wrote my overrated underrated. Oh, you, you no. Can't be confident. It's happening. It's happened to you. May I love that mate help you find it in it. Let's do why don't we do Sad Mag Glad? Did we do Sad Mag Glad this week? I might we be did out. it for one of our podcasts. We didn't do it for this week. Alright, I'm ready for one. Yeah? Yeah, I got I just know them off the top of my head. Now I'm having a break. I've got mine. My glads. Okay, yeah. so glad man said 
One of my glads is that Take I'm very... Sorry. Um, one of my glads is that I'm very glad that this time has given me time to reflect and I feel like even unknowingly you just end up reflecting because life is just so different so you just Have start the on it. <laughs> um so yeah because life's just so different that you just start reflecting about everything and one of the reflections I had is like I constantly I constantly keep thinking about like life needs to change like on a society level on uh, industry level on like grassroots level on individual levels like life needs to change and the other day like someone was saying to me god I don't know like how much longer I can do this and then I was like I actually am not struggling with the being at home because I I'm someone who naturally I'm inclined to just be at home like if you gave me the option to go out or be at home I'd be like yeah I could be at home for three weeks right? yeah yeah when you think about it I said the fact that we're spending majority of and obviously the disclaimers around this are the fact that yeah. you know if your home is a safe space if you enjoy being at home and all those sorts of things and you have certain privileges within your home and everything like that um but for me I'm like actually imagine if the default of how we lived our life was that we spent majority of our time at home mm. and minority of our time in the workplace and I was like imagine if post-pandemic yeah imagine if this was our life we always lived like this and then in 2020 something happened and the government were like right everyone's gonna have to leave their house between the window of 7 to 8 30 a.m you've got to be at this building where you're now going to take your laptop and everything and work from there from nine till we'll we'll say about 5 30 but is that your discretion if you want to take that later some some industries might take it to 1 a.m and in terms of lunch we think the best thing would be to make it uniform but around between the window of 12 to 2 for a, a half an hour hour again use your discretion I mean that's essentially what happened but yeah over a period of time with the industrial yeah. revolution etc great depression you know all the various you know economic um, yeah. events in the world but that's effectively what happened over a yeah. longer period of time right yeah. and now and we're now going re re rewinding back yeah and I was like and and then on top of all of that you've got to pay to be in this house that you're just going to come to at the end of the day and then leave in the morning and that's that's that and I was like actually when you think about it like again a lot of times I've been thinking god like I've realized how institutionalized I am through all of this because like we struggle to think of alternative models and alternative worlds and someone said that after lockdown and after all of this passes inshallah don't rush back to um normal discomforts out of familiarity so like without question like use this time to question like how can your life change and obviously like having the fact that we run our own business means that we're able to think about that and think about okay how do we want our day how do we want our week and I know that's not possible for everyone and so my glad is that you know this time is a time to reflect and just be grateful for the small things. And if you haven't um, read the piece on Amalia by Naya yet, it's about 
um, spiritual reflections during social isolation and it's a really really beautiful piece mashallah so that was my glad um <coughs> my other glad I is i want to add um that piece it's by naya zaheen and she is a junior doctor who's um yeah working in london so i think her perspective is really valuable um and important during this time um the second thing is i'm really glad that um we get to have the pandemic in spring pandemic. honestly like if this pandemic was in winter right off, we'd right off. all be so depressed cold yeah you know when you we say glad man sad i think it's more like alhamdulillah we actually have it during this time for real yeah i'm glad and yeah i am very 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 as someone who like spring is my favorite season you know i feel like it naturally makes me want to leave the house as someone who is a house hermit to go in for a walk and go and even like yesterday i i took a chair into the street and i just sat in the street in the sun with my little foldable Aww. chair so, and the, you know what the mad thing is like if that was any other time of the year people would look at you like what's this woman doing but because it's the pandemic and everyone knows we're all in lockdown no one like batted the eyelid yeah like and it was we so nice people, like we went down the road just so we this was the first time in like four weeks that we've walked out our front door and like walked down the road um and we got to the bottom of the road and the kids were like mom and then they said the number of the bus can't be divulging location out here i'll just make a bus number up she was like mama it's the it's the 432 mama and then i was like let's wave and we all waved at the bus driver and he waved back and i was like any other time he'd be he might not even wave but i was yeah. so sure that he was gonna wave back yeah um, and i just feel like we've you know when this is like a tangent and a half but when a baby is born they say that a softness enters the hearts of the people in that home and I've definitely, we've definitely witnessed it, isn't it now? When, when a baby arrives in a new home, mm. I don't know, that air of softness that enters that home, regardless mm. of like, circumstances. Mm. And I just feel like during this pandemic as well, there has been a bit of a like, you know what, we all need a little bit of kindness. Yeah. Um, in whatever, you know, whether it's a smile and you're in the queue with someone or, you know, I'm part of some of these mutual aid groups where people are like, oh, I'll help your 90-year-old mum out and drop yeah. some shopping around or you know whatever it is like there's more of a way we've always needed kindness right yeah. but now it's like oh no we all definitely need a little bit of grace and a bit of kindness mm. <coughs> definitely um my mad and sad i'm gonna combine <coughs> so i just I like go between feeling mad and sad about all the deaths that are happening because i just i feel like you can't help but think of the underlying politics of all these deaths and the fact that you know a lot of these deaths the reality is could have been um prevented by and the reason they weren't was by the politics that this country runs with and i feel like i should give a disclaimer that the story that i'm about to share is from a person that i know um i'm not a healthcare professional but i can verify that it is a true story um but you know, I I know there's like a fine line between like fear mongering people and you know getting the getting certain truths out there. There has also been a lot of there are some articles out there about do not resuscitate policies um, uh, online. If you want to read more, 
um, and this is just one story and it's worth saying that these experiences are not homogenous across all hospitals different hospitals are behaving differently um, so this is not a um, story that is indicative of everything that is going on one of my friends basically lives with someone who's been redeployed into hospitals and she was saying that they've been told to not resuscitate people with underlying health conditions they've been told no matter the age yeah no matter their age <gasps> they've been told not to resuscitate people over 70 and um there was this person who was in their 30s and they'd recently been diagnosed with ms and so basically the rule would be don't resuscitate no that's and so and their family knew about the policy and knew like what the deal was and they she was like they were literally begging the nurses saying look he works he's healthy he's just last year been diagnosed like you know please 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 resuscitate him and then they did resuscitate him because because of that but i was just thinking of all the 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 people who don't have that way of persuasion with their language who may not even be able to speak english to persuade members of staff to resuscitate oh their family God, that's horrific that's then but this is the thing like the trauma that nhs staff are going to be going through and then also she said that they're being told that they can't resuscitate if they're not in full ppe and it takes them 10 minutes to put ppe on and so she said we have lost patients because we haven't been able to get our ppe on on time and then the nurses are like can't we wear our ppe all the time and they're like no because of the shortages but then i spoke to one of my friends whose brother's a doctor and in their hospital they they're allowed to wear ppe all the time because it is it's just too much to have to get it on get it off get it on get it off and even like things like you know normally you wear one mask per patient and then change but they're having to wear the same mask across a number of patients and like those are all political decisions and you can't shy away from that. And the fact that NHS key workers and key workers across different sectors are having to be the people that are holding that trauma and hold like, you know, carrying out these deeds because of the politics of our country of like not equipping them properly, not have like NHS being underfunded and things like that. And I just, I, I just really, I, I don't feel optimistic, but I really hope that by the time we have another election or even in between them with like policy lobbying and things like that, people just understand that like there, there is a political nature to why the NHS is how it is. And we cannot just keep clapping away, hoping that that's what's going to fuel the NHS. I feel really shaken up at that. Yeah. And it's the, the thing that the people that are having to follow these policies aren't the people that came up with them. Of course. Of you know course. what I mean? And, and it just feels like it's just so unfair on them that they have to be the people that execute these like hideous acts because the, the government have said so or like policy has said so, which is just, it's very, very difficult. That's horrific. I mean, obviously, like Naf said, she, you know, you're not sure if you can share this, but and you know we're not the news we're just relaying stories that we we're hearing but um i did a little bit of research while you were on the call and one of the articles that came up was um of a mr zaman yeah. yeah of a mr zaman um who spoke punjabi and they they exactly what you just said obviously there's no visitors that are allowed in the hospitals 
Anderson um, Farr said his father was in pain but wasn't able to communicate to the nurses and had to call the family who then had to call the hospital to get him help. And, you know, a couple of, like, the chief medical officer for Barking, um, Havering and Redbridge um, University Hospital NHS Trust said, you know, they're, they're very conscious of the fact that Sorry, they're talking about the fact that they're having to have these different conversations over the phone. Yeah. But by the time they've got a translator, are there enough translators? Like you said, you know, this is structural. Like whether people buy milk and bread, whether if they even have milk and bread, if they're ordering a veg box, whatever it is, like every single thing is, is a political act. Accessibility, oh. finance, everything is political. And I think definitely in this time has... We've always known that, but it's just amplified it so much more. And, you know, the whole, there was like this Twitter debate where people were like, I'm not going to clap for Boris. I'm not going to, I'm not here to wish someone to die. Yeah. But for me, I'm not going to clap for Boris because for me, it's a stand against like a structure that is being supported by certain individuals. And if anything, those individuals are really pushing that agenda. So yeah it's definitely structural and I think what's come to light is like you know those names those petitions that we sign they do make a difference because a certain number of um, signatures means it will be debated in parliament even but even, even beyond that, that <clears throat> even beyond that like um car parking charges for NHS staff were dropped because um the media covered it and they were like this is outrageous and then people started like being like look we need to scrap car parking for NHS staff and that's a Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST conversation that like people like Corbyn have been having and saying you know it's outrageous that NHS staff have you know they were getting fines because they were working overtime in the hospital and meanwhile Mr MP out here with his 2-2 house 2-2 calf is getting a pay rise and 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 was it um and they were saying, oh, actually, it's not the time now for nurses to have that conversation. Yeah, to have the conversation about pay rises. And it's just, it's just, I, I personally, I'm not optimistic about, you know, after the pandemic, we're now going to see a new society because, mm -hmm. you know, if we're not seeing changes being made when they most need to happen <laughs> in a pandemic where literally lives are on the line every single day, I ju I, it just is you know what what irks me as well like we talk about like obviously you know if we look at the economics of how tax is distributed etc the the tax that you know money is distributed to where it matters most to the pay, to the structures that be we're having these big big bailouts of these companies businesses 
people like Richard Branson, Virgin, asking for a bail bailout. Meanwhile, you don't have enough money to put into the NHS, and you're getting the daily the public to fundraise. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying right now, like I don't want to um, contribute to the NHS. We're on our let, you know, we're on our knees. We need the support. We all do what we can. Yeah, for a moment, we leave the structural issues to the side. But on the same breath, it's like if we keep doing this, then just we're not holding them account. There's a media story about this 13-year-old boy who has like been making PPE and blah, 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 right? And it was like promoted as one of these feel-good stories. Oh, yeah. So it said it was, um, it was, it said using a 3D printer at home, 15-year-old cadet Chris Johnson is currently making 30 protective visors a day to be supplied to NHS staff, including his aunt Joanne. What an inspirational young man. And then someone retweeted it with the video as well and wrote, in the UK, they have drafted child soldiers to help maintain supply lines in their corona-wrapped and leaderless country. And it's <laughs> like, it's, you know, it, while it's very lovely that this 15, this 15-year-old has taken it upon himself to do that, he, why is he having to do that? In the same way, there's this head teacher, there's this other video where, like, apparently every day he's, like, walking, yeah. like, God knows how many miles, and he, like, fills up this huge backpack and these bags and everything, because he makes packed lunches at school and then drops them to his students and he's a head teacher and obviously we know that a lot of people fall through the cracks in terms of you know now that we're in lockdown and at home that actually means for some families that have to really think about how do we put meals on the table that before were accounted for by school and you know even him it's lovely that he's doing that but why you know and I, I think it's it, it's just so difficult because it, it's also just such a minefield of what does holding to account even look like and I guess that's why people are just self-organizing because they're like you know what we just need to get stuff done and we just need to bring ease to people and bring solutions and we know how slow the government is and you know part of me is like you know whether it's the right or wrong attitude to have I'm like there are people out there doing that work there are MPs there are there are lobby groups and blah 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 you also can't be everything and so it's understanding you know like what what can you do and what can you be and what is your part to basically play can I just plug um if anyone has any free time um, on Amalia, there is an article about the campaign Anything is Better Than Nothing. And it's a campaign started by someone called Dr. Lamise Latif. And she basically is an A&E care doctor. And she's basically asking people to volunteer to distribute or pick up PPE items. <coughs> so they're basically going to places like Wix, Homebase. They're basically asking people to be able to take the PPE from one place to another. And so if you would like to volunteer, you can email coronavirusfrontline at gmail.com. Um, and if you email them, they'll email you back asking your availability. So maybe put your availability in and then what they'll do is they'll say, okay, we've got some PPE that we've secured from somewhere like Homebase. Um, can you drop it to blah, blah hospital? Um, so yeah, I, I think what, whatever your situation is, um, or for many people, there is a way that you can be of use, even if that's like, you know, helping to do the admin behind some of the stuff that needs to be done. That's my med glad said everything. Thank you, thank you. I think you said it all for me, babes. I find it hard to follow up on that. I feel super devastated. 
apart from like you know through this whole thing like I was um, talking to a group of friends online and um we were talking about different things we felt grateful for. It was my like my homeschool part of my homeschooling collective um, lot, and it was just all the mums we just jumped on to be. We're pre-pandemic homeschoolers. I feel like that's the thing now. Pre-pandemic homeschooler, post-pandemic homeschooler, um, and we were just like you know, Alhamdulillah for Islam, because I don't, I, I just, I don't know how I'd reconcile it. How do I try and get over the fact that? all of these things are happening do you know what i mean like for me the dean helps me to actually provide context or some background and some things actually i'm finding it very difficult to to reconcile but you just it's that trust in allah right they continue to have that trust in allah but it is very difficult to explain things and i'm like if you don't have religion and i'm sure there are people listening to this podcast today who um may not believe in god and you know i just want to ask like how are you actually like navigating this or for real like you know you can at me at twitter or i'm not really on instagram at the moment but like i just i want to know and i would like to have a conversation like how are you coping anyone else want to add anything Mm-mm. no you I don't just want, want to come cry. with your mad glad said nothing my, I feel like this is like the structural episode. My sad is it's this is bank holiday, yeah. and um, I I don't know. Oh yeah, I signed up to the mayor of London's newsletter some time ago because he was giving away free trees. Obviously, want free trees, and um, I haven't unsubscribed yet. But anyway, um, this bank holiday today, this today's newsletter it basically said we need your help. And it was talking about how many families will be going hungry this um, bank holiday. And um, I think it's just me, you know, it's sad that this is the case, that mm. we're living in London, we're living in the UK. And, you know, there are families that we know, families um, in and around our area, you know, who are going to experience like a, a, a deep shortage of food. They don't know where their next meal is. And I really would urge you to, I would say do two things. If you personally know a family, because they may not be able to get to the food bank for whatever reason. If you personally know a family, you know, just offer, just let them know that if you are out and about, just let them know that you'll be out and about and that you're going to be dropping off some groceries. And it might be the small, it might just be some bread, some milk, whatever it is, and just pop by. So I would ask you to give Sadaka to those that you actually know, families that you know. That need that little bit extra help. Um, as part of Halal Gems, we've worked with Sufra Bank, Sufra Kitchen Food Bank, um, which is based in Northwest London before. So I would obviously um, recommend them. Um, hopefully, in the next two weeks, we'll try and get an article up, signposting you to places where you can find that information. So if anyone wants to write it, please email contribute at amalia.com. You know, we're very aware that our platform reaches thousands of people and if you think that there should be certain signpost articles on Amalia that could help bring ease, whether that's a list of food banks, little list of causes, things that people should be aware of, please, please, please do let us know, even if it's just a list of five organisations that you think we should be highlighting and then we're happy to sort of pad it out into an article. Do email yeah, contribute at amalia.com. Yeah, I was actually going to tweet that, guys, um, if anyone wants to write, because I was going to write it myself, and I thought I wrote down food banks um, and break down borough by borough and just put the food bank. I was like, 
but inshallah someone on Twitter can. Nationals, guys. Oh, Sorry, yeah. I feel like I put a big downer on the mad lads. Huh? No, no, I'm going to share another thing. Um, you encapsulated a lot of my mads, um, all of the structural issues that are going on, etc., or the idiots that are going to be sunbathing um, this weekend, clapping for NHS on one hand and then applying sun cream on the next hand tomorrow. No, don't go to the park. Don't do these silly billy things. I mean, go for exercise in that. But don't be having a barbecue. You know, Manchester, they've been breaking up bear parties, bear gathering, like bear. There was like a, a news report about it. Um, I think my glad has been, um, for me personally, like one thing I like to engage in is like gratitude journaling. But I've kind of moved away from gratitude journaling recently because I've been having a bit of a difficult time for, because of various things. That happening in life I feel like that's the theme of my life um, <laughs> I'm having a bit of a difficult time because of different things that are happening and my default like gratitude wasn't working like I so, said oh alhamdulillah for my kids alhamdulillah for the meal alhamdulillah for this and then I thought I need to engage with it differently I just needed to realize that the gratitude that I was reflecting on I needed to reflect on in a different way and it was literally the smallest thing like I heard um some running water and it was dropping into a bucket and it just took me back home and I, I, I shared this um the other day and I wrote in my gratitude journal oh you're such an old biddy shalom anyway I can't find the page now but I wrote in my gratitude journal alhamdulillah for hearing the water that took me on holiday and then I realized like during this time as well, different senses are coming alive. And then I just sat for that day. I just was mindful of all the different noises and the sounds. So like, as I heard the water falling into the, uh, gushing into the, I don't know what to say, into the bucket, the water in the bucket. Um, I heard the dryer go off and I was like, Alhamdulillah, I have a dryer to dry all my clothes and then the washing machine started beeping I was like alhamdulillah we have electricity alhamdulillah we have um you know like a, a washing machine to wash our clothes like then my kids were like fighting and I was like alhamdulillah for having two children you know alhamdulillah and I started like for me sometimes some noises I find quite triggering it's like a family thing isn't it now and I started to basically reflect on it through like the sense of hearing um and actually it reminded me of an article that was um not that i'm plugging isn't it it reminded me um of an article that was written by the rogue muslim who you can find on instagram and twitter and it was exploring the history of karbala as a sensory experience and it's absolutely amazing the way she takes you through that event i'm not i know of it but i'm not that familiar with the ins and outs of it and she takes you through the event as like a sensory experience basically you know she talks about it from the perspective of sight she talks about it um from the perspective of sound she talks about it from even taste um she talks about like if the taste i know that sounds a bit weird like how could you explain it but she says if you can't touch kerbala you can taste it 
you can taste the hunger and the thirst of the 72 companions who have been blocked access to water and food for three days. And it just, it brings things alive where she was just like, you know, we, we, we fast. So we know what it feels to have hunger and thirst. And it was just, a, I think an amazing way she, where she brought, brought history alive and to really help you like really imagine it. Cause sometimes, you know, when you hear these things, you can't, can't quite really understand it, but if you actually start thinking about, you know, what did it sound like to be at that time? How did it, how did it, you know, what were the tastes in the air? Like, actually, if it was a time of war, you would have tasted like, um, what's that thing in the air? You know, the smell of petrol or whatever it is. And it was just so interesting. So my glad sad might seem really trivial. No, no. So I was going to say, I'm really um, glad to see everybody getting their sewing machines out. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, I'm hearing and seeing all these stories from people who are sewing masks for like Gaza and the UK and from like places in America. Um, We've got all these like mums and um, just everyone, yeah, like making, like getting really creative with it as well, like using lots of vintage fabric. So they're like not only providing a service and helping our brethren mm-hmm. but they're like upcycling stuff as well mm-hmm. so just mm-hmm. like um yeah I just thought it was like a real it's heartwarming and um yeah I feel really inspired to get my sewing machine out and do the same thing so um yeah that was my glad so you should have a look at the PPE um yeah article. I don't know how to say this but you know when someone dies passes away in Ramadan yeah and I was just like wow the way the, the everything has been set up Ramadan people, is arriving yeah. soon yeah. and the the doors of Jannah will be wide open yeah. and am I right in saying those that have passed away from go, COVID are Shaheeds yeah, yeah. Um, Omar Suleiman said it if you die from a plague then you die as Shaheed so I feel like, you know, there's some great, great mercy. And we know that, you know, this is not, we are, you know, I, it's so interesting because that, that um, same piece by the rogue Muslim, there was a line in it which said, we are in a continuous process of returning to Allah. Every breath we take, every opportunity, challenge, calamity, are all steps back in our journey, back to our Lord until our time on this earth comes to an end. And subhanAllah, like, you know that is it's the it's an overbearing mercy for us that anyone that passes away, anyone that we lose, is a shaheed. <coughs> and as Ramadan approaches, um, you know the, the 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 doors of Jannah will be wide open. Like you know, Subhanallah. And I know at this time it may not be like consoling. It may not be um, helping in any way. But it's something that I just I have hung on to for the last few weeks. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Amalia Works From Home. You can tune in every Monday to Thursday at 5pm. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support our production, head to amalia.com slash support. You can find us on Instagram at amalia underscore com and on Twitter at amalia underscore tweets. Like, share, subscribe and we'll see you on the next one. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.